This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 123 is brought to us by Bybit. Traders had another good week. Price went up, came back down so you could take profit, and then went back up again and stayed there. And you know as well as I do, once this market really starts to get going again, traders are going to absolutely rake it, just like they did last time. And I'm seeing on my metrics, most of you traders are not waiting for the bull market to come back. You're taking advantage, rightfully so. So if you're sitting on your hands, don't. Go down below to the show notes. Click on the link that takes you to the blog, keeps you updated on everything going on with Bybit and everything my link gives you. You will also find that link there as well. Click it, sign up, and get yourself started. Because not only do you have a platform you can trade directly off of MT4 should you want to, you also have a very robust spot exchange. And if you click my link on top of that, you will also discover that membership does have its rewards. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and we have a very different episode this week. Uh, normally, you know the routine. We talk about something exciting that you can buy and then sit on and wait. And then once it goes up, we expect it to go up a lot and then all is well. You know, this is a, a good way to make money and has been a great way to make money for a lot of people. Uh, but if you want to make money right now, like today, uh, this is going to be the episode for you. And we're going to do it in a very unconventional way, but a very effective way and a very contrarian way, because a lot of people just can't look at it this way. Now, this episode doesn't really apply to you or applies to you less, I would say, if you don't live in a Western country. So United States, Canada, uh, much of Europe, UK, Scandinavia for sure, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, you get the idea. But we in the West have gotten hit from both sides, culturally, to where we have been living this lifestyle that is not really affordable, but at least somewhat affordable in a really great market environment, which is all we have known. I've said this before, contrarians, which is all we have known pretty much our entire lives. And all it took were just a few cracks in the foundation for people, especially the younger generations, to realize, wait a minute, this completely sucks. Financially, I feel trapped, and I feel like there's just no way out on top of it all. Now, what they don't realize is they still have it way better than most people. But it is true. Lifestyle is going down. I called this a long time ago on this podcast many times. 2019 was peak Western lifestyle. We may never see it again. Like, not that life is going to be terrible, but it just, it was so good. It was just this perfect combination of everything. So we've set this super high, lofty benchmark for ourselves. And now it's like the first time getting high off of something. You're just continually chasing that dragon. You want that lifestyle back. But it's not coming back. At least not collectively. Currently, prices of everything have gotten completely out of control. Now, you never know quite how accurate Twitter is. It can be a bit hyperbolic sometimes. But it's still a good window into our world. And, you know, we've seen things like how much a bag of groceries costs, how much car payments are nowadays, especially if you want a new car. Again, I don't know how accurate this is, but I'm seeing like new cars go for $70,000 USD, and these are not luxury cars. Uh, not even five, 10 years ago, that was the cost of like a, a nicer Mercedes or a nicer BMW. You could get a Porsche for that. Now we're talking like a Ford F-150 going for that price. Housing, forget it. 
So probably the three biggest items in an American's life, auto, shelter, groceries, they have all gotten completely out of control. Now, what are the solutions to this? Well, most people in the West are choosing the wrong solution. They are choosing to put themselves in even more debt than they had before. And they do not want to change their lifestyle one bit. I saw a stat that last July, there were more planes in the air than there have been at any point in our history. Now, like People are still traveling, and I don't know if they think this is the last hurrah before they have to start really buckling down, but you know, if everything's so expensive, how are they paying for this? And yes, on Twitter, I see the complaining from the millennials and the Zoomers that they don't have as much money as the generation before them, and this is a legitimate gripe. You know, in the West, we feel like we are entitled to this. And honestly, with the advancements in technologies, we should be. <laughs> they are correct. But that doesn't change what's happening or you know, what most of us here at the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast think is going to happen in the next few years. You know, and that is, on top of everything that's going on, uh, add on a recession that could last a while. But enough of the problems. You can find the problems anywhere. We are a solutions-based podcast, and we are going to win by not losing today. I don't know how many of you out there are no-nonsense Forex traders. I would imagine the majority of you are. And if you remember my risk video, I started that video by showing people something that I don't think they've ever seen before. I don't think they had ever thought this way before. But I had a spreadsheet, and I had two columns. One column for gains, one column for losses. And I said, look, every single one of you focuses super heavy on this column over here, the gains column. What can I do to get more gains, to get higher gains? And there's nothing wrong with that, but look what happens when I go to the other column and start eliminating losses. Your bottom line, the money you end up with at the end of the day, when I eliminate losses, turns out to be the exact same number as it would if I were to give you an equal amount of gains. It's the same thing. And this was a light bulb moment for many traders across the world. And that was a running theme of my channel. I said, you know, everybody's looking at it this way. I want you to also look at it this way. And here in episode 123, we are going to do the exact same thing. Ways you can lower your overhead. Because for every dollar you lower your overhead, this is also a dollar you are putting back into your account. Therefore, a dollar you are earning, a dollar you are making by saving. It's the exact same thing. Winning by not losing. Now, you don't have to make huge changes to your lifestyle. I would never advocate for that. I remember reading in the 4-Hour Workweek how Tim Ferriss said, you know, it, there's all these anecdotes out there about people making you know, a bunch of money simply by eliminating that one glass of wine every night. He's like, well, you know, personally, I'd rather have the wine. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, don't be that person. Uh, who got rich because they stopped going to Starbucks. That's not the way. And for the love of God, do not become a frugal person because that is a miserable lifestyle. I think Andrew Tate said it. He goes, frugality is the most unattractive trait in a man. And as somebody who waited tables for a very long time, let me tell you just how true <laughs> this statement is. Thankfully, being in fine dining, I didn't run across these people too often, but I certainly ran across them, and they certainly stood out. Uh, not in a good way. I could take this further, but I won't. But let's just say don't get there. 
But there are common sense things I think everybody can start looking to do. And I'm just going to throw out a few ideas here. Um, If anybody's listening to this on YouTube or wants to come to YouTube and has ideas to help the community out, which we always advocate here, let us know. Uh, But on the domestic side, again, I just said don't give up your lifestyle, but you could also look to downsize. Most people in the West, especially in the United States, have a lot more than they need. And those things that they have just happen to be going for very high prices right now. I'm talking about auto and home. I would even go so far to say the majority of people in the United States should be selling their homes in this market and downsizing to something smaller or renting. Uh, but they create these irrational fears as to why they don't. It's like, look, man, you know, if, if the Brits can do it, you guys can do it too. The money you save, i.e. the money you're going to make by doing this, and it should be significant, over the long term is likely going to mitigate any initial unhappiness you may have about downsizing. One of the Twitter people I follow, Ramit Sethi, uh, author of the book I Will Teach to Be Rich, talks about how owning a home is just not a great value proposition at all. Because if you compare what you're paying for rent compared to what you're paying for a home, even if they were the exact same thing, that money you're paying for your home is not all you were going to pay. That is just the beginning. There are so many hidden costs that if you sat there and did the math and added them up, it would be quite sobering. I have a friend in Vegas who um, he makes terrible decisions all the time. Uh, one of which is he lives by himself in a big four-bedroom house in suburban Las Vegas. And he has decked it out with a sound system, uh, this this whole light package in his living room. <laughs> you know, every room is fully furnished, and he's one person who works a pretty average, modest job, uh, which, again, he got away with for a while, but this whole time, he never had money. He was the definition of house poor and still is to this day, and it's only going to get worse and worse, and he refuses to get rid of this home because he said he likes it too much. Truth is, he's very insecure, And wants people, especially girls, to respect him for this house. I've known this guy 15 years. He's had like three girls over to that house. And he never has money to take any of them out. It's just, it's it's so over the top, you know, dumb American logic. Um, But his entire life would change if he would just sell that thing now. And for the first time in his adult life, actually have money. And uh, this is probably a more extreme case, but I think you get the idea. So it may be a change you don't want to make. It may take some effort, but look at the alternative. We all know what's probably coming. Things are likely only going to get worse. And you have an opportunity to sell near the top contrarian investors who should know better and know how this works. So any chance you have to downside on some of the really big things like home and auto, as if you needed to be reminded, you know, now would be the time. Uh, But on a much smaller scale. And this is something I wish I could have done a long time ago. But unfortunately, I had bad credit because I short sold my home. But when it comes to things you buy all the time anyway, most people don't take advantage of programs that put money right back into their pocket every time they do. And this may sound so simple and so obvious, but again, most people don't do it. So for example, I have a grocery store close by. I sign up for their points program, so I'm getting money back there, and every time I buy, I'm doing it with a credit card that gives me money back. 
and I've been able to upgrade this over time because my credit rating finally came back to where it was supposed to be after I got that stupid short sale bugaboo off the books. You know, I immediately started looking for the best credit cards I was eligible for once that happened. And so I'll go ahead and say it now. I don't think I've ever said this, but I do bank with Chase in the United States, and they have the best credit cards in the world. Like, this is undisputed. Before I had the option to use them, I was using that Crypto.com card and getting 3% back. And I was, like, cocky about it. I was laughing at my friends that were getting, like, 1.5%, 2% back. Uh, when I was getting 3% back in a crypto that had tripled uh, since I started using the card. Now, uh, you know, we, we know what happened to CRO <laughs> now. You know, it dropped. But still, uh, that was nice. That was something you normally don't get elsewhere. And I still haven't used that card. Uh, but the Chase family of credit cards is elite when it comes to what it gives you. you know, I have accrued a lot of points simply spending it on things that I buy all the time. And if you don't have the credit for a card like this, you know, nowadays it's easy to build it back up. One of the things I did while I was waiting is I took a very low-end credit card um, from Chase that I did apply for. And I wouldn't use it for everything because then I would have a big payment at the end of the month. And uh, that can be tough sometimes. I would just use it on one thing. Like I would hook it up to my Uber account, for example, and just made sure I paid it all the way down every month. And that helped build my credit up to where by the time that lock came off of my score, I was in a position to apply for the better cards. Now, again, there's other options too. I would say that next tier down from Chase would be American Express. Uh, Capital One has some good ones. Uh, but everybody in the States can apply for something like this. And people outside of the United States, you can all, pretty much all of you, can create LLCs in the United States and have access to these American banks if you wanted to. It's really nice. Again, this may take a little bit of effort, a little bit of money up front. But it is worth it to put, for every $20 you spend, to put a couple extra dollars in your pocket every single time. You know, it's small, but it adds up. And you can't look at it in terms of savings. You got to look at it in terms of earnings. Because in a sense, that's what it is. You know, these things are out there. Take advantage of them. Now, there's a lot more you could do on the domestic front. And I hope that people come into the comments section and give some ideas. Logical ideas. Um, a good one I heard is to get rid of, if you already have something like Amazon Prime, to get rid of some of your other uh, viewing options like Netflix and things like that and spend that hour or two hours a day you would spend watching Netflix developing some type of skill. Like, I don't know, trading's a good one. Online selling, a foreign language, like anything. Again, you're, you're burning the candle at both ends. You're helping out one column and you're eventually adding to another column. Now let's take this away from the domestic side and touch on something that I have probably gone on and on about on this podcast and on other podcasts I've been interviewed on, and that is removing yourself from this oppressive environment altogether. You know, again, I'm looking on Twitter, I'm seeing how much groceries cost, cars cost, people who are making six figures a year and are still completely broke. There is some bad decision making that goes into that, but... You know, these countries are no longer setting you up for success. And I see all these things almost every day now, and we haven't even hit the recession yet. And I'm seeing them every day, and I'm thinking, I'm really glad these things don't apply to me anymore. Because I don't live in those environments anymore. I made moves. And the money I'm saving, living in great places, by the way, 
is also money I'm earning. And I'm earning a lot. And I'm not here to brag, contrarians. I'm trying to lead by example. Anybody in the West can do this. No matter what your situation is, stop making excuses. Anybody can do this. But when it comes to going offshore, um, you're going to save a lot on cost. But I want people going forward to stop looking at things in terms of cost and start looking at things in terms of value. Because going offshore is going to take some money up front. Unless you just up and move and don't do anything else about it, which is fine. You're going to save a lot of money that way too. But if you really want to optimize things, there are going to be some upfront costs, but it's worth it. Again, I'm being a lot more candid here than I want to be, but let me give you an example. So I am a permanent resident of the country of Panama. Years ago, they don't have this anymore. If it's any lesson out here, it's when these things are here, take advantage of them because they only get more expensive and or more restrictive. But years ago, they had something called the Friendly Nations Visa. The United States was one of those friendly nations. And you could go in and get permanent residency for anywhere from ten dollars to $15,000. Um, now, it's again, I'm no millionaire. I don't have that money just laying around for a piece of plastic, but I understood the value. And I sucked it up, and I did it anyway. I did spend about $15,000 because um, I got, and unless your Spanish is perfect, you certainly want to do this. You want to get the full package. You want to get a lawyer who is going to help you or who's going to have somebody come with you to open up a bank account, to get certain cards, handle any paperwork you need done. And that's what I did, and I got it. And it's permanent residency, so I have it for life. I literally have to show up once every two years to a country that I like, to maintain what I consider to be a golden ticket. Here's why. Because even though that was $15,000 up front, I set up a business in Panama and a bank account, and I was able to take some of the income streams that I have, unplug them from the United States, and plug them into the Panama ecosystem. And in the very first year, I saved more than $15,000 on taxes by doing it this way, Panama is a very low tax country, um, as are most countries in Latin America. So even though I spent that money up front, I immediately made it back in year one. You know, what's this going to look like 10 years down the road? And if you have any type of residency in a lower tax country, something you can also do, contrarians, think about this, is set up an account through your offshore company that you trade through and invest in. So for the next, however long you plan to live, next 40, 50 years of your life, all of your trades and all of your investments will no longer be susceptible to Western capital gains taxes. Good Lord, how much could you save, i.e. make, by making that one move alone? And you certainly don't have to spend $15,000 to set this up. Stay with me. Now, as I said before, this option in Panama is no longer there. I think the minimum is like 200000 and you have to invest in either real estate or a teak farm or something like that. It's, it's certainly not what it was. But as we've been going over on this podcast, there are other options. Now, we talked about Palau. That's going to be you know, very limited as far as what you can do right now. They are building around it, but that's a super cheap back pocket residency just in case. I own it. I think it's a great option, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to be doing. However, one option that I think works best for most people in the West, especially if you're in the United States or Canada, is Mexico. 
I am currently in Mexico now, and I will be here through the spring, most likely. I absolutely love it. Mexico is a country on the rise in so many ways. 99% of fears that Westerners have about coming to Mexico are completely ridiculous, completely overblown, and and not even realistic in most cases. Uh, And you will save money in so many ways. Simply by living here, everything is way cheaper. I'm looking at these poor people spend $100 on a meager amount of groceries. I went grocery shopping yesterday, spent $20 American, and got a lot. Got more than I see in some of these people's carts on Twitter. I pay less in rent. I pay a lot less in bills. I pay way less in transportation because I was able to get rid of my car by moving to an area that's walkable and moving to a place that has 2 and $3 Ubers for pretty much anywhere I want to go. I cannot stress how significant this is. I probably save at least $500 per month compared to your average American simply by not having to mess with a car and the payments and the gas and the insurance and the maintenance and God knows what else. Now, what could you do with an extra $500 a month? You could do a lot of things. It would alleviate a lot of burdens. But again, that's not the only place I save money. These things compound. Do you guys remember the blog called Learn to Cook that I put out on NoNonsenseForex.com? If you're paying a lot less on groceries, quality groceries, by the way, and you're cooking, not only are you probably a lot healthier, but I mean that money adds up tremendously over time. I eat four times a day. I have bacon and eggs every morning. For lunch, I'll try to go find something local. Mexican food is not expensive, especially for the quality you're getting. I'll have a protein shake, which I just did the math. It's about $1.70 per, and then I'll cook dinner at home. I'll probably go out one or two nights a week to dinner, and even there, I'm not spending more than $20, $25 on something good with wine. So I, I don't even know how much I'm saving a week by doing it this way. You know, it doesn't have to be oppressive and difficult. And here's the crazy part. The residence permit that you can get temporary residence in Mexico, which means you can pretty much come and go as you please anytime you want, regardless if the next pandemic happens, whatever. And you can start a business here, you can bank here, you can buy real estate here, all for about $1,500, probably less. So a tenth of what I paid for Panama, you can get here. And the presence requirements, meaning how many days do you have to spend in Mexico to maintain this is zero. You can just keep living where you are. Now you have to come in once a year. You have to take a trip to Mexico, boohoo, <laughs> to come in and renew it every year. And if you want citizenship um, in years four and five, you're going to have to spend some meaningful time here. For the, but that's up to you. Now you can just continue to keep the residence. But it unlocks so many doors and so many doors to where you will be saving money if you structure it correctly. Or if you simply move to a place like Mexico. And as cheap as Mexico is, it's expensive compared to Colombia, compared to Argentina, which are two wonderful countries. And your lifestyle goes up. You know, like, do you know how much you would have to do to become a 5% earner in a place like the United States or the United Kingdom? For most of you, to become a 5%er in a country like Mexico or Colombia, all you'd have to do is show up. 
So any of those safety concerns you've been hearing about aren't going to apply to you. You're going to be living in the nicest areas because you can, and it will still be cheaper than where you live right now uh, by a good margin, most likely. Now, with this residence permit, um, I tweeted it out about a month ago. The, the requirements, the income requirements did come up. You know, they just, they just don't want anybody coming over. They want people who make some kind of money coming over. But the income requirements raised up to like $3,000, $3,500 a month, which is about thirty six to 40000 a year. But again, it does keep going up. At what point will that be too high? Again, people have to act. And to simply go and get this residence for a country like Mexico, this isn't some far-flung Polynesian island like Palau. This is freaking Mexico. Again, they're giving it away. But you have to act. And most people just don't. Now, I understand it's not for everybody, but it's for a lot of people. Something like this could help a lot of you out, whether you make the move to a place like this or whether you don't. And I'm not going to go into how most people just sit there and make ridiculous excuses, blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm just here to show you what's out there. And then I hand you the baton and you decide whether you want to run with it or not. Uh, But I hope something in this episode either inspired you or at least got the wheels to start turning. Because if the cost of living in a Western country is starting to really wear on you, just know that it doesn't have to be this way. But for low-effort people who make excuses and do nothing, it's not only going to continue to be this way, it's likely going to get a lot worse. So if you can stop looking at things in terms of cost and start looking at them in terms of value, it should compel you to make the moves you need to make. Because right now in late 2023, my lifestyle still seems very eccentric to a lot of people. But to me, there's nothing crazy about what I'm doing. For all of the things that I don't have compared to most people I know, I have never been happier. So you can call me crazy all you want, but when people finally hit that breaking point or when people finally start to figure it out and that mass exodus starts coming this way, I'm going to be really glad I took action when I did. I'm going to be really glad that I was early.